Welcome to the Money Curious Podcast. I'm your host, Laura, and I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Essien. Money Curious is dedicated to bringing you the best financial content, whether you're a millennial, Gen Z, or even a boomer. If you want great wealth building tips, if you're looking into some side hustles, or even just knowing about different investment and debt pay down strategies, then this is the podcast for you. Now, before we get into today's show, I need you guys to do us a favor. Hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on all other major listening platforms and on Instagram at Money Curious Podcast. Hey, listeners. Today's guest is Nicole Overcamp. She is the CEO and founder of Wilcox Financial Group and Pow Her House Money Coaching. Yeah, so Nicole is actually a personal finance expert and business coach for women. And in this episode, she's going to share with us her experience at overcoming her years at a large, toxic, masculine financial firm, where she now uses her money mastery skills and to foster a no-judgment environment where women can be open and shameless about their finances and habits. So if you're interested as a female or you know, as anyone listening to this episode today, um, how you can take more control of your finances and how to feel more confident in that, you're not going to want to miss this. So with that, Let's get into it. Nicole, welcome to the Money Curious Podcast. How's it going? Good. I'm excited to be here. And we are super excited to have you. Yeah, yeah. Can you uh, please give us a quick background of your story, who you are, what do you do, what are your passions, anything like that for the listeners? Sure. So I've been in the financial services industry since 2009. So I, I suppose that was prime time, right? Right after the 2008 crash. <laughs> what a time to get started. Uh, and and I've, I founded Wilcox Financial Group, financial planning firm in 2012. And then a few years after that, I founded Pow Her House Money Coaching, which is a money coaching and a business coaching firm specifically for women. Uh, both companies really have that same overarching theme of wanting to empower women to really take control of their finances and empower them so that they have a space to get education, learn and have the tools so that they can own it in a fun way. Like I'm trying to take the the pain out of money uh, and the anxiety around that uh, and, and we also, my, my business partner and I wrote a book, Money Bitch, as well, a few years ago <laughs> to try to amplify that theme of, of this money movement that we're on to here of, of really just making it fun, accessible, and relatable so that we're, we're able to really talk about these super important concepts in a fun way because it's something that we all need. But we tend to put it off because it doesn't sound like a great time, right? So yeah, yeah, I can definitely relate totally to that. Agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> um, when I was in high school and then in college, I was just like, money, like money causes a lot of problems. Um, I, it can be bad problems, and then you can have like good results if you know what you're doing. But like, honestly, I had a bad perspective on money, and I'm glad that you're breaking it down for women in order for us to kind of have a good perspective on it and making sure that we know how to manage it because not everyone knows how to manage it well. And it's a skill that is needed in order to really be, I guess, content and happy 
in that aspect of your life. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about how you got started in finance. I know you said you, you started the Wilcox Financial Group, but was there any precursor to that that kind of gave you the, the jumpstart into creating that business? Sure. So I worked for a large financial firm uh, for a few years prior to that. So from 2009 in, until 2012. And, and I got into the industry because I was working as an assistant for a financial advisor and really enjoyed the, the business side of it and the ability to help people. And I realized that that was much more in alignment with my calling than what I had thought I wanted to do, which was to be a, a family lawyer and, and and deal with that. And after some poor internship experiences, I, I really realized that this was my path where, where I could create a, uh, a business or a career path rather where something was always challenging me, things were always changing, and I could make an impact and, and build something bigger than me. And when I realized I could, in fact, build something bigger than me and, and really help more people, women specifically in, in the financial sector, is when I realized I needed to leave where I was um, and, and really get out of an environment that was more focused on heavy sales, more focused on that male camaraderie, if you will, um, and, and the whole bro experience versus really focusing on the actual planning and, and what matters and, and what's important. And I was so young when I started, I just, I didn't know what I didn't know. I had no idea how the real world worked. And as I, as I figured that out and saw all these different gaps and experienced them even for myself as a young woman, I knew that I could do more, uh, that I had to do better with, with the knowledge that I had and, and the, uh, you know, passion that I had and, and who I wanted to serve. And so that's really what fueled me to, to cut ties and, and really go out on my own. And of course, there was a lot of, of that in between. But to make a very long story short, that that's really what, what happened and, and all of that bubbling up to go and decide, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm going to create something that is based on education first. It's based on a relationship and really doing the right thing and having a conversation before anything else, you know, before anything else. And, and I think I, I made that to be such the, the principle of, of what we do and how we do things, because I was so scarred from that, uh, you know, previous environment really of like, you have to sell, you have to sell. It doesn't matter how you sell it, but this is the number you, you have to hit. And unfortunately, the, um, so much of the finance industry is like that. And, and I'm sure you guys may have experienced that or, or heard those, those stories. And it's certainly not how everyone is or everything is, but it definitely gets a, a bad rap and, and for a reason, because a lot of those institutions are, are built in a, in a very specific vertical, right? Um, and, and that's what their, their agents need to follow. That sounds awesome. I can tell just by listening to you how passionate you are about what you do. So <laughs> I can't wait to get into this. Um, so obviously, I think the three of us can all agree that when it comes to the world of finance, it's a very male dominated uh, sector, at, at least for right now, right? You go on Instagram, you go on Twitter, go on any, any type of platform where people are getting informed about money and finances. It's usually a man that's giving the information, right? Usually. 
and you obviously you want to fill that gap. Is there anything in particular that happened to you specifically or anything that you saw that made you want to say, all right, you know what? We women, we need to, we need to uh, have a better um, presence in this in this space. Or it was like a series of events that happened. There were so many things. <laughs> it was definitely a series, you know, and in the first that that got started, and I suppose it is probably even why I was so attracted to the whole financial planning industry in the first place is I grew up with um, a single parent home. We didn't have a lot of money. My dad left my my mom when I was very young in, in middle school, and she didn't have a way to support herself or us without someone else, without extra help. And and she found herself as as we were growing up, being in relationships that she wasn't happy in per se, or really fulfilled in, but she was in them because she was doing right by us, right? She was raising her daughters the best that she knew how. And seeing this, I also saw that she didn't have the the confidence or the self-worth to even know what to ask for or who to go to or how Mm -hmm. to gain that education in being prepared or even the questions to ask in, in the relationships that she was in until much later on, you know, and and when I was older and, and in high school. And so that was the, my first experience, if you will, saying, I, at the time I didn't love and appreciate it. Now I do. I think I was, you know, a little like kid who of course had all this resentment because when you're a kid, the world must revolve around you and you have zero empathy, you know, but (laughs) (laughs) Looking back as an adult with some empathy, you know, I I have so much respect for my mom because she was doing the best she could with the tools she had. Um, And she didn't have someone helping her with financial education or helping her say, you can go get a job. You are worth this, you know. Um, and, And so she just did what was given. And so that was the first thing where I was like, I am not going to ever let anyone tell me what my circumstance is going to be. And mm-hmm. so that's, that was the first, I guess, the fuel in, in the fire. And then as I was in the financial services industry, yes, it's male dominated. I was one of three other female advisors in, in the organization when I had started and albeit the youngest. And so the discrimination and the double standards and the comments um, were, were out of this world, you know, and, and I just... And even, you know, looking back, I had no idea what was even said to me was wrong until like years later. And I was like, oh, well, only if I knew then what I knew now, you know, um, from the interview questions all the way through through comments that have been made. And I always felt that no matter what I did, how hard I worked, it was never going to be good enough. It was never going to measure up. And in the meetings that I was in with these male advisors and as I was learning, Every single meeting that was a couple dynamic, the conversation was man to man. No one asked the woman a question or if she had one, it wasn't Mm. answered thoroughly. No one asked how she felt or made her part of that cohesive conversation, even though they said they wanted to do that. And there was this huge gap because what happened and, and what I even experienced is that... 
even if she wasn't part of the conversation at the table, guess who's making the decisions at home, right? And, and, and guess who isn't doing the best job with an overall plan if both people aren't in that conversation or, or don't feel confident enough to speak up in the conversation. You know, I, I saw over and over again, women just not feeling like they could speak up until they left that room where it was super intimidating. And um, they were afraid that maybe they would sound stupid or ask a silly question or they would be judged. And so they, they just didn't. And I also, um, in my own experience, when I was with my husband, and we had a, a CPA that we were working with, of which we are most definitely not working with anymore. My my husband by trade is a mechanic, right? He's a mechanic. I'm a financial advisor. In the meeting with that accountant, when I was asking questions, he answered my questions by talking to my husband. And oh no! <laughs> disregarded everything I had to say. And so, you know, I, in, in going through those experiences, actually, when I said, you know what, because initially when, when I launched Wilcox Financial, it wasn't specifically right off the gate for women. I'm a slow learner. And so it, it took a little bit. And, and maybe towards the end of that first year, I was like, I had all these extra experiences. And I said, I need to really focus on working with women because that, that was a light bulb moment of like, I can do better than this. And I don't want anybody to go through the things that I went through or experience the things that I went through. And let's provide that. Let's really start honing in on that. And, and I'll, I'll never forget when I told one of the, the older male colleagues of mine at the time that, you know, I'm going to start working on uh, focusing on just working with women. And, and I think it's a really good idea. And he said to me, well, do you really think that's a good idea? I don't know if you're going to make any money. He goes, you should really focus on tar targeting physicians or lawyers. <laughs> and I was like, but, but women hold those occupations, you know, and it just never dawned on him. And, and so, um, you know, which, which truly is like the reason why I'm doing this is because even though it's 2021, it, it certainly doesn't seem that way, depending on where you live or, or the conversations that you're having or the room that you're sitting in. So. Yeah, definitely. And honestly, that whole story about your mother, you definitely had a powerful role model in your life that kind of opened your eyes to being like, okay, I want to be able to make my own decisions and I want to be able to manage my decisions and have control over them. And I also kind of relate to your story about being a very, like one of the very few females in your industry. I am in the engineering world and I've worked in the aerospace industry and now I'm working in the med tech industry. And I can say also it's very male dominated. And so I'm, I find myself in a room with, or on a zoom call in, in nowadays with a lot of men and it's a little bit intimidating at times, but I think that's the, that's what I've grown up with. Like I've been mostly the minority in a lot of my situations. And so it's like, well, since I'm always a minority, there's a, there's, there has to be an opportunity for me to speak up somewhere. And if I never speak up, then I never give myself a chance. Right. So for me, when you say like, oh, well, you know, they were only speaking man to man. They were the ones making the decision and the woman didn't feel confident enough to make that her voice heard until like they were speaking one on one instead of in a large group of, full of men. Um, that's that's something that really is important to make sure that we say and we that we teach women or we teach whoever's listening to this that 
hey, you have to give space to those who are present in the room, whether they be a man or a woman, uh, because we all have something valuable to bring to the table and also be aware that a woman's perspective can provide so much value than just a man's perspective. Um, so thank you so much for elaborating on your journey in the finance world and why you started your financial group. Uh, it's making a difference uh, for women who want to be in finance and want to pursue careers, successful careers in finance. Um, so kudos to you for what you're doing. Thank you. And I appreciate you saying that, Laura, because it's it's so true that you need to speak up and have that confidence. And I think it's it's important to realize that no one is going to be your own advocate but you. No one is going to speak up mm. but you. And if you want to be heard, you have every right as everybody else to speak up in that moment um, and, and building that confidence and, and practicing that I, I think is so critical for, for women and men too, men that aren't as bold as, as maybe their colleagues, because I certainly hear that a lot as well. Right. Yeah, that's really true. And I think you touched upon a lot of points of why it's important for women specifically to learn more about their finances. And then, you know, at the end of that, build wealth for themselves, because I think there's a good reason to understand the difference between being wealthy and then being rich. So um, having that that difference and understanding where that wealth can take you is like key in a person's life. So yes. kind of going along that route of understanding why it's important for women to learn about finances. Let's talk about busy women. How would busy how can busy women kind of own their financial futures? Well, for busy women, I think it's important to not make the excuse of being busy, okay? So we all tell ourselves this story that I don't have time for that, or I'm going to put it off, or I'm doing X, Y, and Z things. I have the kids, I've got work, I've got commitments. And the reality of That's it is- a great is, point. <laughs> yeah. Is That's that a great point, yeah. We're all busy in different capacities. It's what you choose to prioritize. And so- if you said to yourself, my future isn't a priority, <laughs> would you still be busy for that, right? Um, or understanding where my money is going isn't a priority right now. You know, just reframe the question to yourself. And so first, I, I just want to start by saying that and, and then understanding that where is your busy and where is it going? Are you in a circumstance where you need to actually start setting some healthy boundaries and saying no to things if you're in a burnout position? Do you need to start asking for help? Uh, you know, and, and there's this whole disbelief around asking for help makes you helpless or someone is going to think you can't handle it. And the reality of it is, is asking for help makes you badass. And so you, you remember that as a, a busy woman. And then next, in your busy life, take a moment to ask about what it is that you want. What do you want to achieve? Uh, and what do you want your life to look like? Not only right now, but a few years from now, down the road, because knowing what you want and why you want it is literally the basis for all financial planning and really understanding where to put your money and what to do with it so that it can really help you achieve what you want. You know, money is, is simply a tool. Uh, everything is, is figure outable. It's whether or not you're going to give yourself the permission to take action on that and, and really get the information that you need. 
One of my favorite things that you just said is the fact that um, asking for help makes you a badass. It doesn't make you helpless, right? I personally, that's something I struggle with growing up. Like I always felt as though I was someone who was very independent, someone who could figure stuff out on his own. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I realized that there's a lot more power in being humble and a lot more power in a community and having people be able to, you know, take on certain responsibilities that you might not be able to take on for yourself. You know, because like you said, we're all quote unquote busy, right? And whether we believe it or not, we are going to need other people who are going to have expertise in areas that we aren't able to have. We we really don't have time to take on ourselves. So thank you. Thank you for saying that, because I think a lot of people need to hear that. There's this thing going around like it's a badge of honor to take on everything by yourself and do it all on your own. And it's just it's it's not what life is all about. We are made to have a community among us that can help us go through whatever path we're going through. Um, so along that, I remember you said, uh, we talked about busy women. We also talked about how women sometimes have a problem speaking up. Are there any other recurring themes that you see among women when it comes to their relationship between themselves and finances? I think one of them is just this over um, overarching feeling of shame and the fear of being vulnerable when it comes to money. And so this is is actually going back to that be your own advocate. So it, it's not it's nothing that has to do about being in a room with anybody else or not having the chance to speak up, but it's it's choosing not to because of a story that you've told yourself in your head and telling yourself that you should be further ahead than where you are, or you earn really good money, you should have more saved, or you should be smarter, you should know more about this because all your friends seem to have it together, or your colleagues seem to be more financially well off than you are. And and so we say to ourselves, well, I'll ask for help when I right? When I get there or next year, or when I have X amount saved, or when I turn this age, I'll, that's when I'll do it. Or we'll say to ourselves, well, no one is, is going to be able to help me. So I'm just going to sit back and figure this out myself, which, which means you're going to do nothing. Uh, or I, I, I don't know who to ask. I, I don't believe that, that uh, somebody could help me because there's also that belief, well, I have to have a lot of money in, to invest to get help. You know, and, and that's simply not true as well, depending on, on who you're talking to. So so that feeling of, of shame or, or embarrassment it comes up a lot because women are so afraid of uh, being judged and they're so afraid of also like not having this feeling of more anxiety than what they're already taking on. And, and so, it, you know, it's that fear, too, of like, well, man, what, what am I going to hear? Am I going to be able to handle that in this moment right now? And, and so we also work ourselves up over that as well. And, and it all leads to procrastination. And, and it's just putting off that, that um, pain or, or avoiding it or the perception that we've built up about what it's going to be like. And I promise whoever is listening right now, it's never that bad. It's always figure outable. You know, um, we, we just tend to tell ourselves a, a different story and then it amplifies over time. Do we not? But, uh, but, but that is another thing that, that definitely comes up time and time again. And, and I'll say it, it doesn't matter. Um, 
your age. It doesn't matter the status that you have in, in your career, how much you make, how little you make, what you have saved. It shows up everywhere. And so to me, that that's actually so interesting because I think you, you typically wouldn't see some powerhouse executive having all of these self-doubt um, feelings around money and, and planning and, and it shows up. And so that's, it's something to just, I, I think, be aware of and then be okay with accepting the fact that to your point uh, earlier is like, yes, it, it's so okay to ask for help because we're not meant to know it all. Like that's why there is a community so that you can hire pros and experts and, and get that so that you can continue doing what you're best at. Yeah, definitely. I love that. I love that show that you mentioned, like, it's okay to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Like, so that's something that I've heard a lot of. And, in, you in, uh, when I first started out my career in engineering and, and something that kind of really woke me up when someone said that I was like, Oh, yeah, I'm always going to be uncomfortable, because I'm always going to be in a position that is new, in terms of either a life experience or career experience, I'm not going to know what the next step is. And by asking for help, I'm sure, I'm for sure going to get much further along than if I just stay behind and like, just be in my own little world and try to figure it out myself. So I think you touched also upon a lot of challenges that um, I think everybody kind of faces when they kind of tackle either um, a new journey or be it their finances. So I think it's important also to touch base on uh, uh, entrepreneurs. So you are a businesswoman. What are some challenge biggest? What are some of the biggest challenges that you see um, women business owners face? I. Oh. We see a lot of challenges, but one that comes up often is is the uh, being a martyr. Okay, and what I mean by that is again showing up in and saying, "I'm so busy. I have so much to do." I don't have time to do this. And because I don't have time to do this, that's why I'm not making X or my business isn't here. And and we tend to tell ourselves that story of I'm so busy without remembering that we can ask for help or hire help or delegate and everything will still be okay uh, to get to that next level. And so that that shows up a lot. And it shows up a lot for moms, I, I think, because they feel guilty, uh, especially uh, entrepreneurs who, who are moms. They feel guilty that running their businesses is, is taking away from the time that they should be spending with their children. And, and there's a lot of tug of war going on there. And, and I think it's important to remind them, I do all the time and, and forever's listening, is that it is so much more powerful, so much more impactful to have your child see you grow something incredible, to see you show up, to see you work hard, to see you work hard and, and earn something for that is so powerful versus um, holding back and, and not doing what you're potential is or or being in that moment of like constant purgatory for not doing what your purpose is and and in doing that will allow you to be present in the pockets of time that you have with your kids versus stressing about all all of the things and so you know with um with that in both of those points that I just made like the, again the theme is 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 asking for help truly and and being okay with it again there there's that guilt too where if you're a stay at you're you stay at home your business is out of your house and your kids are home like 
it's okay to hire a babysitter when you're at home with your kids so you can build your business. If you're someone who's just starting out and in, in scaling, and then again, if you have a larger company, it's also okay to hire more people so that you can focus on your zone of genius versus your zone of competence. And so I, I see a lot of resistance sometimes there as well because of, of typically the confidence issue of I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. You know, what if I fail? I hear that over and over again. It's that, like huge fear of failure. Like I, I don't want to be responsible for someone else. But in truth, if you're focusing on your zone of genius, you're not failing. You're going to be okay. And you're going to hire well so that those people pay for their salary so that you can continue to grow and scale your company and your business. And so it's it's having that, that understanding and, and confidence level. And then the, the, the last theme that I'll touch on is not asking for what they're worth, not asking for what they're worth and, and feeling bad about increasing their prices or uh, feeling guilty for asking for payment up front uh, or, or getting anything like that together. And so if you're, if you're providing a really good service and it is really valuable, you want to think about value over price and, and how is it that you're making the impact if it's a service-based business that you have or, or the product-based business, like why is it better and how are you better than anybody else? You know why. You're just not talking about it. And so it's having that confidence behind what it is you want to get charged. Because if you're constantly standing inside of this like shell, you know, it's almost like the turtle syndrome, right? Like you stick your neck out, you're really excited to do it. And then you retreat back when you get the opportunity. And so, um, you know, it's, it's really believing and reminding yourself on why you're so amazing. You know, like look at your journey and what you've walked through, what you produce, the impact impact that you make. And sometimes you just need to have that reminder, someone that you love tell you what it is that you're providing so that you are confident and you can walk into situations to get asked for your value and get paid what you're worth. You know, there's so many statistics for women business owners, but also in, in the, the, of course, in the career place, right, where women are paid less than men. And Yes, that happens. But one of the biggest reasons actually why they're paid less than men isn't because their employer's discriminating. It's because they're not asking for it, right? It's because they're not asking for it because they're assuming someone's going to notice. And same thing with a lot of the women-owned businesses that I work with when you look at their pricing structure and how they ask for it and how they change it versus uh, a male it's so different. And so I, I challenge a lot of my mastermind clients to say in, in all circumstances, whether it's pricing or anything else, you know, I say, if you were a man, would you do that? If you were a man, would you say that? You know, if you were a man, would you think like that? And, and it's just so funny. And, and I always get the same, like, well, no. And, you know, it's like, well, then why are you, you know, why are you beating yourself up and, and devaluing yourself or, or whatever the case may be? Like you are, um, deserving and worthy of, of everything that you've built. And so reminding uh, yourself of that as an entrepreneur is, is really important. It sounds to me like a lot of what you just said comes from experience. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so I got, I got to ask, like, are there any other lessons that you particularly have learned when you went from working that sales job to, you know, doing your own thing and owning your own business? Mm -hmm. 
So fun fact, everything that I talk about, right, and all these pain points and things that I, I see in women, like I've been there, I have experienced that, I am a slow learner, I'll say it again, uh, it took me a long time to, to ask for help and, and kind of learn these things, but I think that's why I, I am so passionate about coaching it, about teaching it and, and, and going through this because I, I felt that pain. Um, and for so long, I was undercompensated. Like I didn't believe I could even ask for more. I had no idea. I didn't know that that it wasn't fair or me doing 90% of the work and getting paid for 30% of the case was not cool, you know, um, until literally my husband hit me on the side of the head with an anvil and he's like, why, why are you complaining about this if you're not asking for more? And I was like, huh. That's interesting. You know, like, <laughs> Strange concept. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess, I guess you're right. You know, because I always had wanted to question it, but I never, I never did. So I would go home, I would cry and complain. And, you know, and then of course my husband was like, well, that's your problem because you're not speaking up, you know, um, typical man, right? No offense. And so, uh, but it was so true. And I was like, man, like, not that is correct. And so, yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I just didn't have the confidence because for so long in, in my journey, I was constantly talked down to, you know? And, and so I think for me, it was just believing and realizing, like, I knew I knew a lot. I knew I was really smart, but no one told me that. And because no one told me that I couldn't equate it to a value until Literally, I was called out just like that, ever so gracefully, you know. Um, and, and there were many other circumstances way before that, too, where I just, I, I didn't know how little I was getting paid until I overheard colleagues speaking about, you know, in our industry, you do uh, splits for different cases that, that you're working on and, and what their splits were versus mine. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. And in the beginning, when I was younger, you know, thinking I, I was 22, right? When, when I really got into things, I just assumed I was paid less because I was worth less, right? I, I figured, well, maybe I'm just not as smart as them, or maybe I'm not as good as them. And, and so I stayed quiet. I put my head down and I just worked really hard. I outworked everybody, um, you know, and, and so as that, that journey grew, that that's what I realized. And then even still, sometimes, you know, I question myself, like, is somebody going to pay for that? You know, um, and, and so you're you're constantly doing, I, I think, that tug of war in your head. But I've gotten really good at reminding myself of the impact. And, and I think that that has helped me all along in, in terms of, of that. And, and I save stories, too, you know, to to help that as well, because sometimes you you need to, like, bring up the archives to remind yourself of, of that on the bad days. We've all had them. So. So, yes, uh, to answer your question. I've experienced it and I have overcome it. Thank God. And it was not easy. You know, it, it was hard. It took like, you know, it was like baby steps. And then all of a sudden when I, when I got the hang of it and I was confident enough to not need anybody else's help anyways, whether they said yes or no to, to my request, I think, you know, that was a really pivotal point for me where I finally was like, I can do this on my own and I don't need you if you're not going to pay me well and I'll figure it out. And so, uh, you know, that was that was a really cool moment and a really cool feeling. Um, and, and I did figure it out. Might have taken longer, but I figured it out, you know. Um, yeah. And now I, I don't need to worry about feeling that re, that resistance of um, 
overworking, underpaid, and, and, and being exhausted by literally my own, my own doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, what you said about kind of overworking and getting underpaid, and then you didn't come to the realization of asking for more because you thought you weren't worth more, um, I think is a theme that resonates with a lot of people. And it might be because sometimes we are too humble with ourselves in order to ask for that, especially when it comes to money. I think it's easier to ask for more work because it it's, it's just, yeah, I'll take on more work. It has no direct monetary value that when, when you're in the position, right? And then when you're there talking to your manager or your leadership and you're like, okay, well, and I'm doing more work, but like, can I get more dollar signs because of it? It's very, it's a, it's a strange and uncomfortable situation because I think overall we've come to terms as a society, maybe to think that money is a taboo subject. And it's like, not something that we should really talk about. Like if I talk about money with a, with a manager or a leadership, like who knows, I might get fired. They're going to like cut my pay in half if I even ask for more. Right. Like, well, I think that's a scenario that might run through a lot of people's heads. So I like that you took charge and you're like, you know what, I'm going to leave this, this, this part of my, my life. I'm going to start my own thing. Uh, take control of that because I can ask, I can, I can, I can increase my prices to um, basically validate what I am worth and, and show people that I'm bringing a lot of value to them. So along those lines also, what kind of advice do you have for those wanting to leave their nine to five and just start up their own business? So my, my first piece of advice there would be make sure that you are, um, you have an entrepreneur mindset. Uh, sometimes it, it sounds like a great idea, um, but you really have to make sure that you are going in with eyes wide open because going from having a steady paycheck in benefits and someone telling you when to show up to work and having a schedule for you is so different than the wild, wild west of being an entrepreneur. And so that, that would be the my first piece of advice is really make sure that you're you're truly cut out for it. Be honest with yourself. Um, there's no best way to prepare, but but you know yourself and, and it takes so much discipline. The, the number one thing that I see uh, business owners uh, do the worst probably, and, and certainly I am not innocent here, I've worked hard at this, is use poor time management, which holds them back from crushing it in business. We all want more time. We use it the worst. And so, so that's really important. But from a finance perspective, you want to make sure that you are not going to put yourself in a very precarious financial position because a lot of new businesses fail uh, within their first year, not because their business is a bad idea, but because of financial stress. So you want to make sure that you're not putting yourself in a position to be so worried about money that you can't focus on the business. And so if you are someone who is going to leave your nine to five, make sure that you have adequate reserves set aside. I'd, I'd encourage you to have about six months to a year. I'd go to year if you can of your minimal fixed expenses so that you can focus on only building the business and not worry about money because it will take time in some cases to be profitable. And you'll want to focus on the right things to make sure that you're growing a sustainable business, a good business model, and you have proper capital to invest in the things that you need to invest in to grow your business. Now, you might want to get a little scrappy. Bootstrapping is okay in the beginning. Uh, I did it. A lot of us do it. So, you know, 
There's no shame in that game by any means, but you're really going to want to sit down and make sure that you understand what expenses you have. Is there anything that you can get lean on for a temporary period of time as well to reduce your stress? Um, and, and you're probably, hopefully, before you quit your nine to five and go full time, you are side hustling it for a while to at least build up that momentum and do some testing in terms of what works, what doesn't work. And then if you are married, this is a non-negotiable, you guys. If you are married, like your spouse must be on the same page. Like they must be supportive of you leaving that nine to five and going full time and understanding what that takes and understanding not only what it takes from a financial perspective, because oftentimes there's, it's like a bell curve. Like you make a little bit less and all of a sudden it explodes and you make a lot more. Um, but it's a time thing. And so if you're someone where your spouse is like, yeah, sure, I'll support you. But then all of a sudden they have to help more out at home. And they're like, I don't support you anymore. Make sure that that conversation happens because I, I've seen it so many times, and especially with women, where if you don't have that upfront contract and you're not real about what it's going to look like, you're not only going to be fighting the fight of building a business, you're going to be fighting one in your marriage, and only one of those is going to last. Okay. So hopefully it's your business. No, I'm just kidding. So, um, <laughs> totally, not but. You want to make sure your, your spouse is, is super supportive uh, because that uh, is actually one thing that I did right um, is is that when, when I met my husband, it was like an upfront contract. I was like, this is my schedule. This is what I do. I'm not changing. You cool with that? And like he is just like me. So he was cool with that and we made it through. But um, but that's who a part of my my fabric is who I am. And so you have to make sure your your spouse and partner really, truly understands that from um, from a lifestyle perspective, right? In addition to to the finances. So going off of that last point mm-hmm. you just made of talking to your spouse about this big move you're about to make, right? I'm one of those people where if I need advice, I want to talk to someone who has already done it or has a much better perspective on who I am as a person, right? Before I make that that decision and they can help me and give me very constructive criticism or constructive advice on if this decision would be best for me. So would you advise people to not only talk to their spouse, um, would you advise people to maybe talk to a mentor or find a mentor or find someone who's already, who's already done exactly what you've, what you've already done? Or is there anybody you should avoid talking to as well before you make this move? Yeah, absolutely. So I would actually avoid talking to your family and friends. And mm. if, if your family and friends haven't done what you're trying to do, okay, that, that's a big distinction there, okay? Because if they haven't done what you're trying to do and they are that employee mindset, when they hear, I'm going to quit my job and start a business, they hear... That sounds scary and fear sets in. And so they may have advice for you or unsolicited advice for that matter um, that is well intended, but it can be very harmful. And so I would encourage you to, to, to avoid that. And, and often those are the people that we go to first, but seek out a professionals who are either in your industry and have walked the the path that you want to walk or similar to maybe in a different industry, but someone who's built a business from the ground up, like that path that you're walking. Don't talk to a third generation business owner if you're starting your business from scratch. Talk to someone who's done that. And then 
get a team of advisors. Perhaps you do want to speak to a business coach um, or or your financial advisor or a, um, and actually I'd encourage you to also speak to like an attorney to make sure that you're really protecting yourself and, and setting yourself up for any potential liability. You know, you, the last thing you want to do is is start and then be forced to stop as soon as you started because you, yeah. you <laughs> left a, a little hole there in, in your legal plan. And so you, you do want to talk to that team of advisors. And, and one of the really good things about having those conversations with professionals, and, and I'll say this all the time to my clients, is I don't bear emotion with your decision. I am that neutral third party where it's so easy for me to have that objective opinion, but then also ask those hard questions that no one else has the gumption to ask you, right? Uh, and, and so it's, it's actually helpful to say, hey, poke all the holes in this that you can, right? And, and be receptive to that feedback. Try to not have that tunnel vision because you're so excited about your idea, uh, feedback is good. Poking holes is good because it helps you to build a better, stronger company. And so I would absolutely advise that you do that in addition, of course, to talking to your spouse before you you do anything in, in regard to not only leaving your full-time job, but literally just building a business in general. You need that team of advisors in your corner to not only give you that objective information, but make sure they're informing you of the things that you just don't know about. Um, you know, because you don't know what you don't know. And oftentimes you don't even know what questions to ask. And so if you really build up that team around you of, of advisors, of which should all be communicating in one way, shape or form, you're really putting yourself in a, a position for success and, and not to be in a uh, scenario where you're caught off guard or in some cases, you know, that can be super devastating. Wow. That's great advice. Um, I love that you said it's basically like you know, have that core group of people who know their stuff in particular areas, and then they can provide you with the right advice, the right information and resources for you to be able to make it with your business. So that that nine to five, when you quit it, it was all worth the struggle, all worth the grind and the side hustling that you did during then uh, for the successful business. So well said. Um, so Nicole, you know, we're kind of at the end here of our episode and we've really enjoyed talking to you. You brought up some really great points about how to, as women, how to feel empowered and how to find those resources and in certain situations, how to speak up. So I want to have our listeners kind of have you as a resource. So where can people find you on social website, or you can even pitch your book? Sure. So if listeners actually want to go to our Instagram account, uh, it's at how her house money. We have a link in our bio with access to everything, both of our company websites, our book, all of the online courses that we've developed, workshops that we're doing and have going on. So that'll really be the best place for listeners to connect with us, engage, and then really get access to everything that we have to offer. Awesome. Awesome. And then your book, Money Bitch, can be found on Amazon, right? It can. Yes, it can be found on Amazon or you can also buy it directly off of our website. Awesome. Awesome. I'm so excited. I did take a quick preview uh, read of your book the other day. So, you know, I might be buying it. It's in my wishes. So someone better buy it for me. <laughs> Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. You know, it was a pleasure having you on here, a pleasure just understanding. And I really appreciated you sharing your story. I think it was really powerful for me to learn. And I think SCN has a new perspective on, you know, what the female gender, you know, <laughs> experiences here. Um, 
Thank you for the education. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks again. And with that, it's a wrap.